think about the events that we heard, all heard about this week, it, like the sudden loss of these revered celebrities, Kate Spade or Anthony Bourdain. So some of you can think of that, but you can also think of things closer to home, difficult situations in the lives of the people that you see regularly. Or maybe you are facing some kind of difficulty. You, you walk in here with some kind of stress, and it feels like the greatest force in the world. It feels like it's pushing you down and, and keeping you from being able to stand up and move forward. All of us go in and out of seasons like that. All of us do. All of us have, have moments, and people around you have moments like that. Sometimes people around you experience those things, and then you want to help them deal with it, but you're not really sure how. And then as a culture, we're feeling pressure. The sudden loss of lives... Uh, is an increased thing happening in the way that Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain did it. I don't want to be more descriptive than that because of the young years in the room, but you know what I mean. And so this reality in our lives, in our communities, in our culture, reminds me of a story I heard just recently or something I experienced. So last weekend I was not here. Andrew preached a message, did a fantastic job. It was the first weekend after my kids got out of school and so we went to Galveston. We went to Galveston to try to catch the blue water. Raise your hand if you got to catch the blue water in Galveston, if you saw it. No, okay, two people, which makes me think it didn't, wasn't really there, all right? Um, so we went there to try to catch it. Unfortunately, we were a few days late, but we were in Galveston enjoying the weekend. And uh, <clears throat> I was, spent a lot of time in a chair on the beach. Unfortunately, didn't spend a lot of time in the water. But uh, at some point, uh, we had some friends show up, and Price had a friend named Austin, and he and Price were out in the water about chest deep. Now, here I am sitting on the edge, and I'm seeing them play, and there's lots of people there, and it was a lot of fun. It was amazing. And Pri- I see Price come out of the water, and he comes running up to me, and he reports that Austin, his friend, has just saved his life. His friend has just saved his life. Now, <clears throat> I'm thinking to myself, like, really? You know, really? Just saved your life? And, and he began to tell, the, tell it, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is, this is something. So they were out in chest deep water, and Price jumps into the wave. The wave knocks Price over, and Price is a very good swimmer. It knocks him over, but just as he gets up, what happens? Another wave comes and knocks him down again. Well, this happens three or four times, and what does he begin to do? He begins to panic. He begins to get scared, like, oh, my gosh, I can't find my breath. I'm getting knocked over and over and over. And, uh, and fortunately, Austin, his friend, noticed it, reached over, swam underneath him. I mean, can you hear the music now? Swam underneath him, lifted him out of the water. And Price says to him, thank you, Austin, for saving my life. And, of course, I said, Austin, we owe you one. We owe you one there. And, and so they're excited. And, and what, what Price did not quite realize that I knew is that Price was actually standing in chest deep water. <laughs> but to him, it felt like he was drowning. Why? Because the waves kept hitting again and again and again. And this is how life is sometimes. Sometimes we get knocked off our feet enough times and it feels like we're drowning. Can I get an Amen. It's not just that one wave that will drown you, but when you have that one wave and then that second wave and then that third wave and then that fourth wave, one alone may not be enough to take your breath away, but multiple waves can make you feel like the powers around you are greater than the power that's in you. And it's interesting to me to notice, and I do quite a bit of counseling of people and helping people during the week. Of course, you'd imagine I'm a pastor. But, and it's interesting to me as I observe the way some people counsel others. In fact, whenever Kate Spade passed, the most common sort of counsel that I saw was something like this. 
Comfort yourself by telling the story of when you got your first Kate Spade purse. I, I, don't, I don't have a Kate Spade purse, nor does my wife. Not that if you have one, there's anything wrong with it. I'm not judging. But I, it just struck me as like, what an empty encouragement or an empty counsel. Or, or I read the comment by her brother-in-law, David Spade, which I didn't realize that was her brother-in-law. I read it on his Instagram, and he ends his statement of condolence in this way. It is a rough world out there. Try to hang on. Oh, when I read that, it just pains me. And, and if that approach isn't used to offer help enough like that, that there's some kind of empty response or empty kind of words of comfort, then the one that I most often encounter it goes something like this. People telling other people, you know, just get over it. As if people that are being beat down by waves should just be able to stand up. That's essentially what I did to Price. Price, you should have just stood up. And from my perspective, it's like, just get over it. Stand up, and what's the big deal? But from his perspective, he was really hurting. He needed a power bigger than himself, outside of himself, to come and lift him up, or else he would have drowned. The real help our world needs is Jesus. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to try to lift you up with that truth. Not only so that you can be encouraged and be lifted up if you're feeling beat down, but so that you know how to encourage others and know how to think about the waves that are crashing in our culture as they're beating people down, beating people down, beating people down. Here's what you can do. You can look to Jesus. You can point people to Jesus. Why? Because he is greater. Jesus is greater. And so we're in this four-week series. Last week, Andrew did a fantastic job talking about the fact that Jesus has existed eternally. Prior to that baby being born that we know by the name of Jesus, the second person of the Trinity existed, was involved in creation for his own glory. And that part of God, that person of God who is fully God, became flesh in the form of a man named Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 1. So here we go. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about Jesus. I'm going to give you some Bible verses to help you believe. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So this is a very famous Christological passage to help you to understand that Jesus, who's often referred to as the Word, was with God and was God. So it's one reason I say this, that the <clears throat> written word, the Bible, reveals the living word, Jesus. John the apostle goes on in verse 14 to say, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glories of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. This is what Bible scholars call the incarnation. Everybody say incarnation. It means in the flesh. And I love how Peter talks about it in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. He, being Jesus, was foreknown before the foundation of the world, which is what Andrew talked about last week, but was made manifest in the last times for, for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your, father, so that your faith and hope are in God, which we'll talk about in coming weeks. So when we talk about Jesus, we're talking about God in the flesh. Now, you, you'll not find many people who would argue that Jesus as a man was not a good person. There are 
historians that talk about the man named Jesus. And so you would, it would, it's illogical to say that the man named Jesus never existed. It's just illogical. It's not just Christian people that believe that Jesus is fully God. There are many who would say that, yes, Jesus is to be respected as an influential teacher, a revolutionary, a brilliant Jewish rabbi, and certainly a great moral example to follow. But did you know that you can be an atheist, an agnostic, a Muslim, a Hindu, Buddhist, Mormon, Jehovah's Witness, a humanist, and believe that Jesus was a good man? That's true. Let me say that again because you might have missed it. You can be an atheist, an agnostic, a Muslim, a Hindu, a Buddhist, a Mormon, Jehovah's Witness, a humanist, and believe that Jesus was a good man. So when I say to you that Jesus is more than a good man, but he is in fact God in the flesh, this is a distinctive of biblical Christianity. The Bible teaches that Jesus is not only full of man, but he is fully God. Paul says in Colossians 1.15, which is a passage as a part of the passage that Andrew taught last week, he is the image of the invisible God. Talking about Jesus. When you see Jesus, you see God, because Jesus is God. Now, I don't know if you're getting me, so I'm going to give you some more passages about the fact that Jesus is God. Because you might underestimate how explicitly the Bible talks about Jesus as God. John chapter 1, I already said it, the word was God. John chapter 8, verse 58, before Abraham was born, I am, Jesus says. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact imprint of his being. Titus chapter 2, verse 13, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Not to mention that Jesus, the man, willingly accepted worship from his disciples. Luke chapter 24, verse 52, and John chapter 20, verse 28. And the reason he was crucified in the minds of those that were calling him to be crucified was because he claimed himself to be equal with God, which if he is not, he deserved to die. But he was, so he died for something he didn't deserve. And then arguably the most potent passage in the Bible talking about the divinity and the humanity of Christ is in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Debbie read it. Though he, being Jesus, was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of God. Of men. So when we read the Bible, we read the Bible's revelation that Jesus the man was more than a man, but he's fully God. So the reason that I want to point people to Jesus when they're feeling beat down by the waves of life is because that is the greatest power there is. The best counsel that I have morally, the best psychology that I have is not as strong as is pointing people to Jesus. The best that you have to offer those in your life is not as powerful as is you pointing them to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is more than a man. He's fully God. Now, you might say, "Um, okay, Russell, I understand it and I trust it. I don't, or I don't fully understand it, but I trust it. And that, that would be some of you. But there are others of you in here, the skeptics, who would say, well, I can't trust it because I don't fully understand it. 
I can't trust it because I don't fully understand it. And I would say to you this. There are a lot of things in our life that we put our trust in that we do not fully understand. Like your vehicle. How many of you fully understand the way that your vehicle works? But yet you get into it and you allow it to carry you down the freeway at 65, 70, for the moms, 75 um, miles an hour. Or how about this? I don't fully understand my body, but I trust that when I put food in it that it's going to process it. I don't fully understand how my phone works, but I trust that when I click Jeannie Cravens and I send that text, that little special something during the day, I love you, I can't wait to see you, that it's going to go to her and not some other person, right? We don't fully understand it, but we trust it. That idea is not new to us. And you would say to me, the skeptic might say, well, I can, with enough study and time and discipline, figure out how my car works so that I could totally understand it. And I would say the same is true of this truth that Jesus is God. If you're willing to spend more time in the scriptures and study and discipline yourself there, then you will more fully understand how Jesus can be God. You may not fully understand it, but I charge you in the presence of God Almighty, because it's revealed from the scriptures, to believe it, to trust it, to build your life around it, that Jesus is fully man and he is fully God. So when Jesus came to earth, he demonstrated his glory. He demonstrated his glory in some amazing ways. And that was because he was not only fully man, but because he was also fully God. You say, well, why is this important? Two reasons it's important. First of all, the divinity of Jesus, the deity of Jesus connects God to you. The humanity of Jesus connects you to God. The divinity of Jesus connects God to you. On earth, he was able to do what only God can do. He did miracles. He also had the authority to forgive sin. There's a story in, in Matthew chapter 9 where um, he has brought to him this paralytic, this person lying on a bed. And when Jesus sees the faith of this paralytic and the people bringing this paralytic to him, he says, uh, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And so the religious people took real issue with that because the only person that had the authority to forgive sins was God. And they said, this man is blaspheming. But Jesus knew their thoughts. He knew their heart. And he, and he says, why do you think evil in your hearts? And then the story goes on to say, uh, he heals them. He says, rise and walk. You see, Jesus not only had the authority to declare, like, uh, healing physically, but he also had the authority to forgive sin, which is a healing spiritually. The divinity of, divinity of Jesus connects God to you. He accepts the worship of his disciples. He has the ability to predict the future, Matthew chapter 24. And most important of all the things that he was able to do as the God-man was that he lived a sinless life, which enabled him to, as a pure, spotless sacrifice, lay down his life so that your sins and my sins could be forgiven. This is the Christian gospel. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest, talking about Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus, as the God-man, enables you, God, to connect to you for your sin to be forgiven. Th that wave that's pounding you, 
may feel great, but Jesus is greater. But you know, Jesus was also human. The humanity of Jesus connects you to God. This is one part of the Christian gospel that is just magnificent to me. The more you understand that Jesus is fully God and the more you understand that Jesus is fully human, it's magnificent. Why? Because Jesus, like us, was conceived in the womb and was born. He experienced normal aging. He grew up in wisdom and stature, the scriptures say. He had physical needs. He got hungry. He got tired. He had human emotion. He cried. He learned. He had, and he died also physically. And then he was raised from the dead. He had a physical body. So Jesus, as a man, sympathizes with our humanness. He was tempted as we are, yet he did not sin. He got hungry and tired and all these things that I've just mentioned. He understood loneliness and rejection. He understands what the wave that it's hitting you, he understands because he experienced it too. So he was fully human, just like us, which ought to help you believe that you can connect with him. But he was also fully God, which we are not. I want, I want you to be clear-minded on this. I want for your view of Jesus to become more and more clear. There's so many things out there that have become noise in your hearts and your minds. And so this series' aim is to help you focus on the greater power, and that is Jesus. You might not think that God knows where you are, but he does. Just this week I spent an hour on the phone with a friend of a long time who's continuing to grieve the passing of her husband real tragically five years ago. She's trying to raise three kids. And something happened this week in the news that stirred up in her again the agony of having lost her husband real tragically five years ago. So she calls me every couple of months because he and I were very, very close. And she knows that it's a source of agony and pain for me also. And so in our conversation, as it comes up, not only am I agonizing and grieving still, but I'm having to counsel her and help her. And let me tell you, all I knew to say this week when she called me, when it's at its worst in her heart as far as pain, is this. Jesus knows. Jesus is greater. Reach out to Jesus. There's a temptation for us to try to lift people up with our own strength and our own ideas and our own wisdom but what i'm saying to you is this is when somebody either you or somebody else is being beat down by the waves of life the thing that we must do is point to jesus who lifts us up and stands us on our feet we want to make this about jesus you may be a guest here and you're like okay what is this church about this church is about jesus we want to get to know jesus and we want to help other people get to know jesus We're inviting busy people to experience the peace of life with Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is fully God and he's fully man. But if you only think of Jesus as somebody that understands your situation, you'll not fully comprehend how Jesus connects you to God. These are my last two points and I'll be done. We're going to worship. The fact that Jesus is fully God enables your sins to be forgiven. So he was a perfect, sinless man. He died on a cross. And when he paid, for, paid that price, it credited to him plus one. It was a plus one in his righteous, righteousness uh, category. And so when you turn in faith to Christ, you, you get to take that plus one and have your sin erased. You get to be reconciled to God. You can't do it on your own. 
through Christ and the fact that he is God enables him to do this, your sins are forgiven. And the divinity or deity of Christ also allows you to find a breath when it feels like you're drowning. What's the first thing you think of when you're struggling? What's the first thing that you run to? You know, the last, this shoulder deal I've been dealing with has been very frustrating. And <clears throat> I tell people when they ask me how it's going, I, I say, uh, I said, don't get me started because I'll get really whiny really quick. Just ask my wife. And uh, the last two months has felt like a lot longer. And some, some of the reason it's been so difficult is because it's exposed some idols in me. You see, when I'm really stressed or feeling beat down by the ways of life, one of the things that I've run to is food. And I've successfully run to that quite often in the last two months. Another thing that I run to is exercise. And there's nothing wrong with those two things. But what's been exposed is the fact that my instincts are not to first and foremost run to Jesus. Why is that? Because I'm not fully convinced. I'm, I mean, I'm, I need to more fully understand that Jesus is the greater. What's the thing that you run to? Is it uh, alcohol? You're stressed, you're uncomfortable. Life's beating you down. And you, you think, man, I just can't wait till Friday night with my buddies. Can't wait till that glass of wine in the evening. And I'm not anti-alcohol, but I am anti-anything that you'd run to instead of Jesus. Because the Bible is. Is it um, sex? Is it work? success what's the thing you run to that's your god and jesus is greater jesus is fully god and fully man and our aim this morning is for you to reach out to jesus for you to know how to tell others to reach out to jesus because that is greater. Let's think on and pray about these things.